Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, March 24th. We begin with news that the House of Parliament will be holding an emergency session today. We're joined by Mercedes Stevenson, Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block, with what is on the agenda. Next, we catch up with Daryl Bricker, Ipsos CEO, on a new poll which shows how Canadians are dealing with the fear surrounding the outbreak of COVID-19 when it comes to shopping for essential items. Then we check in with the City of Calgary for an important update on how your garbage, recycling and compost pickup dates are being adjusted in the coming weeks. Is your at-home workspace more crowded than you're used to? Expert advice on how to be productive with a house full. And finally, is your relationship being put to the test during this time of isolation? Relationship coach Tanya Craig with tips on how to keep the peace during the pandemic. 7.48 on the morning news. House of Commons holding an emergency session today to deal with a massive uh, stimulus package aimed at curtailing the economic damage being done by the COVID-19 pandemic. With more on the session, we're joined by Mercedes Stevenson and Mercedes, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. How are you holding up in isolation, Mercedes? <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of like, oh, is this what my natural preference is called? <laughs> <laughs> so taking it in stride. I like that. Don't uh, have to leave my place? Okay, I'm okay with it's that. It's not so bad, <laughs> is it? Close to home. No. Yeah, I like the attire. I like the, uh, you know, uh, dress code. It works pretty well too, right? Um, That's right. You know, the business up top, yoga pants on the bottom, everybody's happy. Uh, back to business when it comes to the emergency session today at the House of Commons. $82 million on the board for this package. Expected to, to move quickly, would you think? You know, it'll be it's really $2 billion, my bad, see, so. $2 billion. Yeah. yeah, initially this was supposed to be super easy. It was going to pass, you know, bada bing, bada bang, boom. It was no... Uh, questions about it. And then yesterday, this whole controversy erupted uh, after we broke that in that draft legislation that Global News was able to see a copy of, um, there was something extraordinary. There were unprecedented powers for the finance minister in there. The ability to raise taxes without having to have parliament vote on it. Uh, The ability for cabinet to spend money and borrow money without parliament voting on it. Uh, The fundamental role of parliament in a Westminster uh, democracy like we have is to oversee spending of the executive. That the prime minister and cabinet can't just spend stuff. They have to get that authority to do so from parliament. So the idea that it would be suspended, according to the parliamentary budget officer, is unprecedented. Uh, this didn't even happen in World War One or World War Two. So pretty extraordinary. The opposition went ballistic, said there's no way we can vote for this. All of the opposition parties taken completely off guard that this was in here, and also angry because they said uh, they, they'd been having a lot of really productive and clear discussions with the liberals. Everyone was on the same page, and all of a sudden this bombshell is in the legislation that was handed to opposition parties on Sunday night. Um, so Andrew Scheer came out and said, we will not support a blank check. You can imagine for the Bloc Québécois the idea of a federal minister who can spend without parliamentary authority, big issue, NDP not happy about it. So the Liberals said late last night at 11 p.m., back to the drawing table, uh, Pablo Rodriguez, who's the House leader, tweeted out that they, they respect the fundamental functions of Parliament, that they are making changes to the bill. We don't know what those changes are yet, because the original um, language had these powers enshrined until at least December of 2021. That's a very long time to not have to go before Parliament and get them to approve any money that you want to spend. Um, so will they have shortened the duration? Will it be gone completely? Uh, we'll find out. 
The rest of the bill should be a shoo-in. It'll really depend on what happens with that section about uh, the extraordinary powers they wanted Cabinet to have. Mercedes, why, in your opinion, would they even have put that in? Were they hoping it would sneak by? Did, I mean, they had to have known it was going to cause great strife from all the other parties. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't figure it out, and I haven't been able to get an answer on this. What, what I've been told by senior Liberal sources is, look, it was just a draft. Um, but it's odd that the opposition knew about everything in the draft, but this it could be a few things, and this is just me speculating. It could be that they are worried Parliament will not be able to sit because coronavirus will be so severe that unlike in the First and Second World Wars where they sat all the way through, it's a contagion and you can't have people mm-hmm. in the same spot and mm-hmm. people have to be in Parliament to vote. Um, it could be that they thought that maybe they really had a mandate to do this, that it's so extraordinary right now and everyone recognizes there's going to be a lot of money that has to be spent, uh, that, that maybe the opposition would approve of this. But why they wouldn't have warned them that something that unusual was in the bill and gotten their buy-in first, um, I'm not sure what the strategy was there. If, if it's just that everyone is you know, desperately trying to deal with this minute to minute and it wasn't well thought through. Um, but there's no question that, that they was not well received. Could they put a provision in that says, as you mentioned, you have to be in Parliament to vote? Because it is 2020 and these are, you know, extraordinary uh, circumstances that uh, the votes could not be done via teleconference, like, like a Skype measure? Well, that's a great, great question. It's, it's something I heard um, from both senators and MPs alike yesterday who are saying everybody else is working from home. Why can't we? Now, uh, that has never been done. Okay, that's never been the precedent. You have to be in Parliament. You have to be present. That's how governments fall. If In minority situations, if they don't have enough MPs in the House, uh, just because they calculate wrong on a day, the government can fall. So it would be extraordinary to move it out of there. But there are discussions now saying, look, these are extraordinary times in many other ways. Maybe we need to look at this, or maybe we need to do it the way that they're doing it today. There's only going to be 32 MPs there, and they're all driving in or already in Ottawa. Nobody's flying to expose them. Do you continue on with that situation? Um, but that was sort of something everyone was able to agree to because they'd agreed upon the legislation. If you're in a situation where there's contentious legislation, MPs are not going to agree to send certain representatives uh, if the opposition wants to bring the government down, a certain number, because um, that would sort of tip their cards. So it was unique that you had a situation where everyone was willing to agree to that because they'd already agreed to the legislation. But it's certainly raising questions about how Parliament does its business. Um, And I know there's a lot of Conservatives who don't feel that Parliament should be suspended at all. Some of the senior Conservative leadership is saying, look, this is a national crisis. It's a pandemic. We can't risk people being in that kind of close proximity. But it is absolutely an active debate on the Hill right now after this legislation. Well, we're certainly going to hear more from the Conservatives this morning. Opposition leader Andrew Scheer speaking in, what, about six minutes time here in Calgary at 8 a.m. We're going to carry that one live. So we thank you for your perspective, Mercedes. We'll be listening in on that, uh, that press conference. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. That's Mercedes Stevenson, Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. 709 on the morning news. The House of Commons will hold an emergency session today to deal with a massive stimulus package aimed at curtailing the economic damage being done by the COVID-19 pandemic. With more on the session, we're joined by Mercedes Stevenson, Global News' Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Oh, we're going into, I'm going to Mercedes. You've jumped ahead. You've jumped ahead, Andy. I'm so excited. We'll talk to Mercedes uh, just before 8 o'clock, 7.50 Here's the issue. We're in different rooms, so Sue can't hold my hand anymore and say, (laughs) Schultz, it's Daryl Bricker. Okay, do you want to try again? I can. Are you ready? Is Daryl on the line, Daryl? He's ready to go. Okay, ready? Here goes a proper intro for you. I want you to be present for this and hear every word. 
Since the COVID-19 outbreak was declared a pandemic, people everywhere have started hoarding food, sanitizer, and toilet paper over fears of being isolated for weeks. We're joined by Daryl Bricker, mm-hmm. not Mercedes, mm-hmm. Ipsos CEO, to discuss what practices could be put in play uh, by retail to uh, by retailers rather to limit fears and to keep shelves stocked. I think that's a better fit, Daryl. Good morning to you. <laughs> Well, I wanted to hear from Mercedes too. So. <laughs> you know what? You got to listen. You can, and by you the way, will. we have to mention you can listen to us online because a lot of people not in their cars but at home. But this is something that has been on our minds, I, I think, for weeks now. This hoarding issue, and now you have some numbers to to reflect how Canadians feel about it. Yeah. So we asked Canadians, do you think that this is as a result of supply not being available, or basically because of the behavior of their uh, fellow citizens? And it's seventy five percent behavior of your fellow citizens. Yeah. So uh, you know. It's, it's all well and good for uh, politicians and uh, uh, manufacturers and for retailers to stand up and say, uh, we don't have a supply chain issue. By the way, nobody believes that we have a supply chain issue. I mean, three quarters believe that that's fine. Uh, but nobody's really talking directly about making any changes to deal with the problem that people actually believe is occurring. And the reason that they know there's a problem is because if there isn't a supply issue, why are the shelves empty? Right. Well, something the, else must be going on. People and are stocking they, up on toilet paper. Yeah. So what they what they attribute it to is people uh, overcompensating. So people either panic buying or, in the worst case, uh, doing it because they're they're uh, they're trying to uh, to profiteer. And um, in those situations, retailers have an ability to to control uh the uh the access that that people have to uh, to some of these products that are that are uh, seen uh, to be in short supply and uh, my suggestion in the piece that I wrote for global news was maybe you could subtly start to do that and, I, and and since i wrote that a number of people have come forward and said you know there's retailers are already starting to do that so good news it did take a while, though, for sure. You're right, Daryl. I mean, we are hearing now at, you know, some of the big big box stores and some of the grocery chains as well that they've got actually, for example, a toilet paper policeman. So a staff member who stands there and tells everybody, despite the sign that's there saying only one, that you can only purchase one pack of toilet paper at a time or one big, large uh, package of flour, for example. So is that what it's going to take? We just have to have people standing by the aisles saying, tisk tisk people, stop hoarding? Yeah, it's it's going to take something subtle within the stores, and and as I said in the article, I mean, the truth is we're already used to this. I mean, uh, whenever anybody has a sale on something popular, it's usually you know a limit of three per uh, per customer or whatever. So it's not it's not something that that would come as a bolt out of the blue. And by the way, people would appreciate it because it's an, there, there would be an understanding that this is being done to make sure that when they do make that risky trip to the uh, uh, to, to the supermarket or to the uh, to the big box store that at least what they're they're looking for taking that health risk is going to be there mm-hmm. um, so that's good and the other thing is sending the signal of empty shells versus sending the signal of things are available is quite quite different in terms of the impact it has on the overall public psyche. So it's it's about more than just making sure that shoppers are satisfied or uh, products are, are, are protecting against panic buying. It's also sending a signal that we're getting things under control. Part of that control, I know one of the major retailers in our nation, Costco, is starting to uh, limit, the, they have a lineup outside, limit the amount of customers in at one time, which will also uh, maybe have a less panicked uh, shopping experience for those customers. Right. And and uh, there was one somebody who did respond to this uh, um, to me on Twitter, and they said, well, you know, this is bad because what's going to happen is now I have to go to the, the supermarket more times. Well, yeah, but at least you know when you go, it's going to be there. I mean, you're going to take the risk possibly now for nothing. Uh, 
So uh, these stores uh, taking action, you know, subtle action within the um, within the confines of their uh, of their operations is something that I think Canadian consumers, Canadian citizens, citizens in general, uh, will approve of because. If you're going to make the trip, it's going to be there. And it also, as I said before, sends a signal that uh, we are getting this under control. And that will hopefully calm down people's fears a little bit. I mean, even the premier speaking yesterday had some strong words to say about people who are hoarding and people who are scamming, saying there's a special place in hell for you. So, I mean, we need to really simmer down. And just as you said, it'll help everybody reduce their stress and anxiety a little bit and make sure that we don't have to keep going to the grocery store to look for toilet paper when we actually need toilet paper. And, uh, yeah, exactly. In other words, reward those who are res- behaving responsibly. Uh, calm down the people who are panicking by saying you don't have to panic because it will be here if you need it. And then to make the lives of the people uh, who should be in that special place in hell much more miserable and much more difficult for them to execute on the, the, the basis of their worst impulses. I know that you folks look nationwide. Is this a a problem more so any part of the country? Or are we pretty much all on the same page when it comes to the panic uh, buying, the hoarding, and and the fears? Well, when you get seventy five percent of the population agreeing to something, you know it's everywhere. Yeah. So talking about the differences between regions and uh, you know genders or age groups or whatever, or there you know distinctions without differences. It's an interesting article, Daryl. We'll post it up on our social media pages and hopefully it will help to calm people down and, and uh, you know, stop the hoarding and, and maybe just relieve a little bit of that anxiety that we already have right now. So thanks for joining us this morning. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That's Ipso CEO Daryl Bricker. We've got some important information on bin collection schedules for the City of Calgary. Starting today, changes to your gray, green, blue, and black cart pickup. So uh, we have all the details now coming from the Manager of Collection Services with the City of Calgary, Paula Magdich. Hi, Paula. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. What has the city got going on and uh, what do we need to know about when it comes to our pickups? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on to talk about some important changes that are happening with waste collection for our 330,000 residential customers. Um, some of these changes were were planned long ago, and some are the result of our current situation and our uncertain times. So I think I'll start with um, some of the changes that have been planned for quite a while. Um, from time to time, we have to implement collection day changes, really just to help us uh, better accommodate um, growth in the city and better balance our collection routes. So we've done a full redesign and reallocated resources. And those are scheduled to come into effect the week of April 6th, so in a couple of weeks from now. Um, And those changes will affect um, some households who receive black, blue, and green card service. Uh, The good news is it's easier than ever to actually know what your collection day is. And uh, people can go online to calgary.ca collection. And they can also sign up for free, convenient collection day reminders. They can get them by email or text message or even by phone. Those are super handy, by the way. They are fantastic. So you really should never miss a collection day again. Um, And with each reminder, we also send out really important tips. Um, And now more than ever, um, with uh, what's going on in our world today, it's important to get those reminders because if there's any service changes, uh, we'll let folks know through those reminders as well. 
Any other questions on yeah. the collection date changes? I got a question. The, the dates sure. again. You guys have made it really easy when it comes to, of course, uh, being technologically advanced. Uh, but when it comes to the green bin, from what I'm understanding and reading, it looks like the green bin is just kind of an extension of the winter schedule. And uh, the green bin will, uh, at this point, not be picked up weekly, but every second week, and it'll continue like that. Is that correct? That's correct. So. Um Given the current situation going on around us, we did not feel that it was prudent to increase our level of service at this time. We're trying to, of course, keep our collectors safe and healthy while providing reliable service to all of our customers. So we're going to maintain um, every other week green cart collection um, going into the spring here. Um, And really that's to just make sure we have enough resources to provide services to Mm -hmm. all of our 330,000 customers. Makes sense. So that's the green bin. Any changes to blue or black bin collection? Well, blue card collection is going to remain on weekly. uh, So there's no change there. Okay. And black card collection is going to be every other week, which is um, no change on frequency. Uh, But two additional changes that we're implementing effective this week is no extra bags of garbage or green cart, not that people would have yard waste right now and there's still uh, winter around us. But going forward, uh, there will be no extra bags collected. Okay. And that's really just a precautionary, extra precautionary measure to keep our collectors safe, mm-hmm. uh, minimize them getting out of the truck and having contact with the public. Really the safest place for them to be is where possible is inside the cab of their truck. So just, uh, you know, what fins fits in the black bin, that's what goes. Otherwise, you save it for the next collection date. That's right. Store it on your property. Save it for next week. Um, ask your neighbor if they have space in their black cart and and share that space. Um, and if you really have a lot of things piling up uh, and you can't wait for your next collection day, you can take it to one of the city's landfills okay. for disposal. Makes sense. Thanks for the information and uh, bringing us up to speed, Paula. We appreciate it. That's great. And really just encourage people to go to Calgary.ca Collection and sign up for their collection day reminders. Sign it on up. Uh, Thank you, and have a great day. That's Paula Magditch, Manager Collection Services with the City of Calgary. 8.48 on the morning news. We don't typically work with kids running around, dogs barking, (laughs) and from our tiny kitchen table. COVID-19 and hashtag stay home is changing workplaces for lots of Calgarians. We're joined by Brittany Harker-Martin, Associate Professor, Leadership, Policy, and Governance at the University of Calgary, to share some helpful tips to make your workday uh, more manageable at home and at that kitchen table. Good morning. Good morning. So, Brittany, where do we start? Because, again, uh, we're used to a certain office, a certain desk. Uh, we're uh, used to routine, not the case right now. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to recognize that everyone who's sharing your space right now deserves to be set up for success. So there are a few things that you can do right away. Um, The most important being thinking about how to use the space effectively together by designating certain areas. So um, I suggest five things to get started. Uh, Creating workstations for everyone helps them feel like they've got space that's their own Mm. where they can be productive. Um, designating work-free zones for that off time so that there's definitely a place where you are at work and aren't. Uh, taking scheduled breaks. Uh, everybody's used to having a coffee break at work scheduled. Kids who come home from school are used to having their recess. Uh, so uh, it's very, very easy when we're working from home to all of a sudden uh, want to just push through and just be productive throughout the day and feel like we're always plugged in. So it's important to have those scheduled breaks as well. Um, and then, of course, integrating the physical and creative activities, things that we would normally um, have as 
part of the work day, as part of the school day. We need to make sure that we schedule those in as we're trying to work from home as well. And then having a firm quitting time where we say, okay, that's it. That's that's the time that I'm done. It's really important for our, our sense of well-being to make sure that we know that we have control over the situation and that can help. Brittany, I would think even in a non-COVID-19 time world that uh, these rules would be really effective in our our homes too if if somebody is a a work-from-home parent for sure. But that work-free zone, is that kind of, do you think that would be really the the key one? Because I think you can have, you know, you've got lots going on and you've got probably a lot of people, you know, have the kids home from school right now until further notice. So to keep the work and the the play and the, the family time separate. Yeah, I, uh, it, that's an interesting question because some of the research for people who are on people who are effective at working from home shows that the people who are best able to do it are the ones who can kind of blur those lines and not necessarily have a solid line. People who really want to draw the line hard can sometimes find it frustrating them when there's spillover. And the research shows that there's definitely going to be spillover of the family um, life coming into your work life, especially in this situation where we're all um, suddenly supposed to be doing this. So having that work-free zone um, can really help with that, uh, have it be a separate place. But, you know, for a lot of families, that's not necessarily a reality right now. They're mm-hmm. working in small spaces where they don't have um, maybe a room with a door or a den or a separate space. So they can do something like set up a table where they have, um, you know, some music with headphones, puzzles, ways to kind of unplug from the work environment, but uh, more virtually. And how about the patient's uh, piece, Brittany, in the sense that, you know, uh, from being in the office on a Friday to being at home on Monday, things aren't going to feel like normal, I'm I'm thinking, those first two or three days. Yeah. um, The most important thing right now really is just making sure that you're aware that that's going to happen, that the anxiety that comes from this is really from the uh, uncertainty of not knowing what's coming next. And so acknowledging those feelings together as a family or with your roommates and saying, okay, what's working, what's not, revisiting that and knowing that, you know, uh, just because you're the primary earner in the home, that doesn't mean that you're the only one that's having disruptions that need to be quickly managed. Um, you got to remember that, that we have preschoolers who are at home who have just had their entire world turned upside down like little bugs in a jar and they're trying to figure out now why they've got you know all of these people in the space that used to just be for them and so um if if you can just navigate that together and recognize that when there are signs of stress if you're feeling angry if you're feeling um you know if you're feeling like what is happening is not working it's important to stop and then try to set yourself up for success instead of trying to just work through it because that's over the long time, it's just going to be very dysfunctional. Great tips, great advice. Thanks so much for joining us, Brittany. Thank you. That's Brittany Harker-Martin, Associate Professor of Leadership Policy and Governance at the U of C. 642 on your Tuesday morning. With many of us off work or working from home, couples are spending a lot, and I mean a lot of time together these days, and that might be difficult for some. So joining us this morning is relationship therapist Tanya Craig. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Sue. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for joining us. We need you. Thanks for having me. I know, right? We all need me right now, including me. Pretty much. Okay, so (laughs) as a professional counselor and a relationship therapist, help. Yes, I love the, the the quest here right now. Like, what do we do with our spouse underfoot all the time? And I think 
because of the nature of what's happening, number one, we need to acknowledge that this is one unprecedented time. Two, it is forced upon us. Like we are so blessed to be used to being able to do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And so each of us in our home, both the adults and the children, teenagers, we all have our own experience right now as we take in information. And so the first thing is to really acknowledge that each of us has our own interpretation. Some people might be thinking, oh my God, wash your hands every two seconds. Others might be thinking, ah, it's not a really big deal. And then forced upon each other with these varying opinions I think that can be the very first place that we run into challenges. Tanya, a lot of people joke and they say, my relationship works because we don't see each other. (laughs) Or, uh, you know, one uh, of the relationship partners is traveling a lot. But the fact is, the rhythm has changed completely for for most relationships out there, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you so much for saying that. When we have that dynamic changing and even if we aren't traveling anymore, but there's so many job losses and you are forced to be around each other. The most important thing is to really understand that they are going through their own experience. So what we often do is when we we do change, we see each other at the end of the day, hey, how was your day and all of that. Uh, We often just kind of assume we know what their day was. Instead of actually stopping, connecting, looking at the person that you actually married or chose to live with, and then getting into their world and being curious. We assume. And so one skill I have is about validating, being able to really suspend your agenda, suspend your um, need to share and tell them what's happening and actually get to know what's happening for them. And I get a lot of kickback with this one because it's like, well, what about my needs? (laughs) (laughs) your needs will get met. So it's three simple steps. The first step is to be able to just let them know, I hear you. And some people will be saying, oh my God, I'm so stressed about this. My job is, is being threatened or, you know, kids underfoot. I don't know what to do with them all the time. Or the third top stress is being hit. We never get to have sex now that the kids are home all day long. Mm -hmm. Let them know you hear them. I get that. I hear you. The second one is to understand from their perspective why it is they're upset about what's happening or why it is they might be completely avoiding everything and speak to that. And it would sound something like, wow, I totally understand how come, you know, you're avoiding everything right now. You're avoiding, um, you know, one of the actions that we do is, Uh, We can be cleaning or cooking or doing anything to be out of connection. And it would be just to acknowledge that. I I get how come you're busy cooking all day long now. And I imagine that you're really feeling afraid that your job is going to be in jeopardy or whatever it is you know about that person. Climb into their brain and acknowledge that you understand what is happening for them given what they're going through. Now, what's really important about this is you're not agreeing with their behavior. You're not agreeing with what their experience is. You're simply allowing them to know that who you are in the middle of your experience, in the middle of your upset, it's okay. If especially, you know, some of the um, 
questions I'm getting right now is one partner is really upset and maybe frightened by the health implications. And so they're really wanting to amp up the cleaning and the social distancing. And the other one is really more lackadaisical about it. And they're getting irritated by the increased um, pressure on them to comply with you know, what's being recommended. Yeah, so it's really just understanding where their stress is coming from, letting them know that you hear and validate how they're feeling, and then maybe go to another room and spend some time alone for, for a bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sue. And, you know, the most important thing with this is you don't have to fix them. We always think that we have to fix or make them feel better or shift their mood. The gift to us with this, where I, our needs get met, is we get to be a kind human being, let them know that, wow, what you're going through, it makes sense. Again, you're not agreeing with what they're doing. And in that, the science behind it is you'll actually be speaking to their limbic system in their brain and their reptilian brain where all of the emotions reside before they can ever be in their rational brain. So you get to speak to that part, help their mirroring neurons fire, and then they'll start to settle. And number one, you do not need to solve their problem. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you very much for your uh, reptilian. I like that. I can blame <laughs> a lot on that. Uh, thanks for your words because I think we could all use them right now, Tanya. Appreciate your time this morning. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Tanya is T-A-U-N-Y-A, TanyaCraig.com. Tanya Craig, relationship therapist, coach, and speaker.